0: Welcome to the very first episode of the This Made Me Feel Things podcast. I'm your host, Alex. And I'm Catherine. Welcome to the uh, the start of our journey. <laughs> this podcast is going to be a week-by-week journey of mine and Catherine's favorite movies that we want to talk about and that we're passionate about. Yes, here we are. Here it is. This is our discussion. <laughs> <laughs> You and I, so Catherine and I, we know each other way back when from working in the movies, like working in theatres together.
1: Our friendship journey actually began in a cinema.
0: Yeah. I mean, I personally have always been passionate about movies and talking about movies, if they really strike a chord with me. So I think what we're going to explore through this podcast is that movies will mean so many different things to different people based on their life, and their perspective as a person, whether that that movie or TV show, whatever, speaks to them. And it could be the other way around. Like they could watch some kind of media, listen to some kind of podcast, and that will change them as well. And I think that's the beauty of movies is that interpretation. Once something is released to the world, millions of people can interpret one thing so many different ways. And I think that's that's what we want to try and achieve and talk about, right?
1: Yeah, totally. It's um, Yeah, this is our personal discussion about... Our feelings about the things that we've watched from our childhood and f- more recently as well. Yeah. Because um, the things that we used to watch feel very different when we rewatch them these days.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think the, you know, this isn't going to be a review. Like there's so many movie review, TV review podcasts, and we even tried that ourselves at one point. <laughs> But I think with you and and I is that, like, we, you know, what, 10 years, 12 years even of friendship, Mm -hmm. like the thing that we like to do is talk about a movie, the different perspectives of it, how we connect to it personally, but even just a general analysis. Because that's really cool, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's the cool part of watching a movie is like being able to discuss it with someone after and get a different perspective that you didn't really think about before because that's the beauty of like visual medium. You know, there's so many different ways you can interpret things.
1: It's definitely one of my favourite things to see a movie with somebody and then spend time afterwards thinking about it, thinking about what it meant, what it meant to you, what it meant to the director Mm. or the people who made it. I think it's just an interesting interesting way to experience um, media films or TV
0: shows. For sure. Totally. And I think you and I have probably seen, I like, I don't even know, countless of movies together. Oh, so many. Okay. So many. And like now, and I, I guess we should go back into ourselves. So like we're from Australia. That's where we met. That's where we worked at the movies all those years ago when we were like uni students. And now where do you live? So right now
1: I am in Paris, France. And
0: you are? <laughs> yeah, I'm in New York City. So we're thousands of miles apart. You and I always talk about like, like we always used to watch when we were, through, we were in Sydney, we'd watch like hundreds of movies together, probably. We still somewhat do that, but not in the same way as before. So this is a good way for us to reconnect and just maybe hopefully other people be able to resonate with our views or not. That's okay too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. So cool. That's, I guess, the premise. Um, and I guess the other sort of side note or disclaimer is that like neither of us are movie experts. Like neither of us studied film really, Neither of us like work in a film kind of industry, but we're just passionate about watching movies. We like talking about them. But by no means even I will say that I've seen every movie. There are so many people that have seen way more than I have, but it's just, it's this discussion that I love.
1: What kind of uh, movies would you say that you are usually drawn to?
0: I think the movies that stick with me the most are movies that, I think that I can relate to in some way or that have really just like changed the perspective that I sort of once viewed as something. For example, I watched a movie as a kid and we'll probably, you know, talk about it at some point, but like the Joy Luck Club, for example, is one that I was introduced to as a very young child because I had an Asian mother who introduced it to me. And in that way, that was when I was like, wow, this is a medium where I can actually start to understand why my mother raised me in a certain way her background and that gave me perspective but the other side of that if I see a movie that like Pride and Prejudice is one of my all-time favorites the 2005 classic oh man I obviously I didn't grow up in 18th century (laughs) 17th century England but if it's the ideas and values like you know you can't always judge a person from a first meeting all that kind of stuff There, like there are flaws to human character that I can identify Mm -hmm. with then i'm hooked it it needs to have some kind of like meaning that is relevant that i can sort of relate to i guess how about yourself
1: yeah i think i'm drawn to films like different films um at different times when i sit down and watch a movie i at home a film that i choose at home is different to one that i choose in the cinema oh really Definitely. If I want to watch a film at home, then I'm always looking for something that uh, something that I need emotionally at the time. Like on days when I really need a c- good cry, I'll choose a like a proper emotional story, usually about some woman struggling with getting her life together, <laughs> which is very relevant to me most of the time. But it's also like I think visually, a film is. Uh, it's really important to me to know that visually it's going to be nice I will watch any Wes Anderson movie no matter how ridiculous the story is
0: okay so that has to be on the list for me because I don't know if I've ever seen a Wes Anderson movie
1: oh my god Alex I didn't know this about you
0: I don't think I have yeah what happened why haven't you watched a Wes Anderson movie So, okay, this is the other thing about me. If I have a preconceived notion about a movie that I don't think it's for me, then it's really hard to convince me to watch it.
1: This is going to be the perfect opportunity for me to finally get you to watch all the movies that I recommend.
0: (laughs) One other thing I want to say about movies for me, because it's interesting that you say, like, visually, because for me I think it's music. Oh, yeah music in movies and like that can com- like combination of the music that's happening in the scene that will always emotionally get to me so like one ridiculous example of that is i will always cry for love actually in the scene where the little boy is running through the airport because it's this sweeping orchestral that gets to me so if there's a scene where there's an amazing orchestral score i will always be emotionally connected to that i don't know why it just i'm a musical person i guess do you know
1: I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I actually, like, music makes me cry so easily. But wow. mostly when um, when I see people singing, groups of people singing, it makes me cry so easily. When I go to carols in the Domain, I'm actually usually, like, secretly tearing up all the time. Really? Yeah, when people sing in movies, it makes me cry. I just find it so emotionally overwhelming.
0: It is something about music is beautiful, especially harmony. I love a good harmony, and I love that's why I semi love a cappella, even though it's kind of lame. But like, if you <laughs> show me a good harmonization, if an emotionally impacted scene is paired with an amazing musical moment, like I'm done.
1: It's an excellent reason for watching a movie.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, so what we're gonna do each week is we're gonna take turns recommending a movie and. We probably won't even know the meal we're going to choose until the week that we recommend it. But this week is your week. I wanted you to start it off. Yes. So you chose The Wizard of Oz Classic. I did. The
1: 1939 uh, version.
0: Is there more than that? Like, I know there's multiple like, adaptations. Yes. There was a version
1: before in the 20s that was actually very different. I haven't seen it and I don't know much about it, but... The premise is that the writers took out a lot of the fantasy elements.
0: Oh,
1: yeah, it was very, like, very different, very serious.
0: I had no idea that there was another <laughs> one. So, we're going to start each episode with a little summary or recap. So, we recommend watching the movie before listening to the episode as we discuss the movies in detail, including spoilers. So, um, if you'd like to watch the movie beforehand, that'd be great. Otherwise, we will be providing a full recap before the discussion as well. So, here we go for *The Wizard of Oz*. We follow Dorothy, played by Judy Garland, a little Kansas farm girl who is blown away in a cyclone to the magical land of Oz. They follow the yellow brick road to the Emerald City to meet the Wizard of Oz, who Dorothy is told by the good witch of the north, Glinda, will help her get back home. Along the way, she meets a scarecrow who needs a brain, a tin man who needs a heart, and a cavalry lion who needs courage. All of them travel with Dorothy to get their witch from the wizard, The wizard agrees to grant them their wishes as long as they retrieve the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the West, the evil witch who has been terrorising Dorothy, her friends and the habitants of the land of Oz. Cool. So why why did you choose The Wizard of Oz?
1: I think for me this movie, The Wizard of Oz, has always been like just the ultimate magical movie. I think the storyline is flawless. The songs are fun and catchy. The visual effects are amazing, like for the time. I just think it's so impressive what they managed to do. Like every time she steps out of that house and sees Oz for the first time, I think I get like a little thrill inside of me. I find it so exciting. Like all the colours are amazing. And it's just, I just think it's a flawless film. I actually worked with a lady recently, or like a few years ago. She was in her 60s at the time. And she was probably like, a child when the movie came out and at some point i said to her oh this picture that we're working on it looks like you know it's the same colors as wizard of oz and she was like oh i've never seen that movie it's stupid and i was like (gasps) what the fuck what kind of psychopath has never seen wizard of oz and refuses to watch it i was like why have you not watched it And she goes, it just looks stupid. I wouldn't watch that.
0: Whoa. I just thought she was crazy. That's surprising because I would have assumed that every single child has grown up watching The Wizard of Oz.
1: It's like, it's actually on the BFI film list of movies to see before you're 14.
0: I saw that. So when was the first time you remember watching it?
1: Mm, I don't think I remember the first time. But I know it used to be on TV a lot. Like it used to be yeah. pretty regularly. Yes. I watched it every time it was on.
0: Yeah, I watched it around that time. And also I'm pretty sure we taped it on VCR and I would watch it. The other thing about me when movies is if I love a movie, I'll watch it over and over and over and over again. So I watched this multiple times when I was a kid.
1: I, I don't even know how many times I've seen this movie. It's so many times.
0: When was the most recent time you saw it before this? Uh,
1: I haven't seen it recently, actually. I think it's probably been like five or ten years since I've seen it.
0: Is there a particular part of the film that you think struck a chord with you as a kid or is it just the general movie itself?
1: I think I would still say the visual effects. Just visually, it's a, it's an incredible film. I love how they played with the colour and the production design. Those incredibly shiny flowers when she steps out into the Munchkin land are amazing. And the songs. like I think, I think at some point I even had the um, album on my iPod and listened to the music all the time.
0: Is there a particular character that's your favourite? Glenda? <laughs> really? I love Glenda. She's
1: amazing. She's so shiny and she's she's got that weird <laughs> that weird voice. I love it. I have that little clip of her announcing that the wicked witch is dead. Let the joyous news be spread. The wicked old witch at last is dead. I just love it. Just like it's so it's such a 1930s voice as well. Like everybody in news at that time spoke like that.
0: Yeah, weirdly, Americans even at that time spoke with a weirdly British accent, and I, I feel like they did that with some of the original Disney princesses as well, like Snow White and stuff like that. It's a really, like, interesting thing. It's a very specific voice. Yeah. How did you feel watching it again as an adult after not watching it for 10 years? So one of the
1: things that I I don't think I had remembered as much, like it wasn't something that I remembered at all, was how excited Dorothy was to be home. I think that's something that really struck me, particularly at this moment when I am far away from home right now physically. I just didn't connect with that at all, that she would want to be at home. Like nothing has changed since she left. Everything is the same as when she was trying to run away from home. I find I just found it so strange that the conclusion would be that she's gone from this sepia land where nothing is really nobody really listens to her her dog is under attack <clears throat> her neighbor is awful
0: her aunt and uncle are kind of dismisses of her
1: yeah like they don't have time for her and then she goes and sees this magical land that is amazing in every way she has all these adventures everywhere she turns up people love her but then she's still so excited to come home and I just was like so unrealistic it just doesn't like it doesn't match up but also I was wondering then, is that just like a very millennial kind of attitude for our generation, this like constant unsatisfied wanderlust that we have?
0: It's interesting, right? Because this is this is a children's movie technically, like obviously it can be enjoyed by anyone, but like Dorothy is meant to be a child. Dorothy herself is meant to be like 12. Yeah. And the whole premise is yes, she's in this boring sepia land and her life is kind of crappy, but she's running away from home as a tornado hits because she's like, fuck this. <laughs> and I think it's, it's meant to be maybe a message of like to children like because the whole like yes her whole motivation the whole time she's in is I just want to get home like she doesn't even want to stay at all it's kind of like when you're a kid and you're running away you you want to escape whatever bad stuff but I think the message that they're trying to say especially with there's no place like home is that like you can escape the the shit that you that is troubling you at home but it, you're still gonna find like problems and it might be magical and colourful and wonderful and people are praising you, but if that's not where you feel like you belong, you're not going to be happy. Yeah, I don't know if that's what they're trying to say right, but like I think she is a child and you're, at 12 you're not ready to leave home Yeah, and experiencing all these things that are probably beyond your, but she has learned something, like literally Glinda says at the end, like what have you learned? Like you were meant to figure out this message for yourself. I have that clip as well.
1: Oh, will you help me? Can you help me? You don't need to be helped any longer. You've always had the power to go back to Kansas. I have.
0: Then why didn't you tell her before?
1: Because she wouldn't have believed me. She had to learn it for herself. What have you learned, Dorothy? Well,
0: I think that it... that it wasn't enough just to want to see Uncle Henry and Auntie M. And it's that... If I ever go looking for my heart's desire again, I won't look any further than my own backyard because if it isn't there, I never really lost it to begin with, is that right? That's all it is. Yeah. It's interesting because to go back to your point of like millennials, it's a different generation, it's 80 years ago and. Yeah, it is that wonderlust that we're always craving for and looking for. And we have the freedom too, as well. Is the other thing, looking back at the '40s, and there wasn't that freedom. It's literally, I think, before the World War II, so things were different. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting point.
1: Yeah, I think I guess there were a lot of stories at that time as well that we're talking about. It's great to go on adventures, but it's so nice to come home. Like that's the conclusion of The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, those big grand stories of people going to other lands. They always just want to come back home where it's safe.
0: Yeah. But, see, that's where I resonated with The Wizard of Oz in that, like, so I haven't watched this movie since I was eight or nine, so it's been a good 20 years. And I think for me, because I am also living away from home like you are, but, like, I am thinking about going home eventually, for me it is, like, you can travel the world and like, it's great to travel the world. It's great to live away from home. And you will experience all these amazing, wonderful things and meet all these amazing people that will help you along the way. And home can be a place that you didn't grow up in. Dorothy potentially could have said no I and had a happy life, maybe if that was her intention. But <laughs> I do, I personally resonate with there is no place like home. Like I will always have my heart in Sydney. That's that's just me and I feel like that's that message resonated with me for sure. There are going to be people who don't and that's fine. I was thinking about you while I was re-watching it.
1: Oh, really? This is the perfect film. This is the movie that Alex needs right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know me way too well. That's so funny. Um, yeah, but it, so you felt, I guess you're in a different stage where you're like, well, I'm not ready to come home yet and I am still on this amazing adventure.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess I'm not in a place where I have a home that I'm dying to get back to
0: yeah
1: I'm definitely living the dream and I'm happy to stay in my Oz for now (laughs) no matter like what wicked witches live here I'd prefer (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's fine movies will resonate for some people and not for others or like you know there are
1: yeah for sure and like you when you watch it at different times it means different things to you oh yeah definitely do you know something odd that I realized do you know you know that idea that when you're dreaming, you never create a new face or a new place. Your brain just uses what you've already seen. Mm-hmm. I realised that the Wicked Witch's castle is actually one that I dreamt about a lot when I was a child. I used to have these recurring nightmares of like I would come home to this castle and just find like my family dead in the castle.
0: Oh
1: shit! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> holy crap it was a bit of a dramatic dream yeah i never realized where this castle came from and when i was watching it last night i recognized that it's the wicked witch's castle
0: oh my goodness that clearly scarred you (laughs) yeah Yeah, it stayed with me do you think you were scared by the wicked witch as a kid i guess obviously subconsciously in dreams you were but like in watching it were you scared because it is pretty full-on some of the imagery in the wicked witch for a child
1: I don't I don't remember being scared, but she yeah, she's pretty terrifying.
0: So since watching this movie, I've obviously seen Wicked, and I love, you know, I love Wicked. We've even seen it together in Sydney. Yeah. Um, I've actually seen it 5 times. Oh wow. Yeah, I love it. And the reason why I love it is because I love adaptations of things that like spin things or creates a backstory for someone that's usually a one-dimensional character, such as the w- Wicked Witch because there is no Reason for her wickedness, and obviously, it's looking from a child's perspective of this woman in real life has threatened to put down my dog, which is really (laughs) crazy and terrifying. So, obviously, you're going to have that trajectory of her being a wicked witch, and that's she literally says that to the woman before she goes to Oz. But, Wicked, because it was a book before it became a musical, gives her this whole backstory of like. Well, she became wicked because she was this activist as a uni student. She was really ambitious and her only thing that stopped her from doing that was her green skin and she was ostracised by her community and that led her to, but it, wasn't, it was all well-intentioned. Yeah. Her motivation was all well-intentioned and it just came across in this wicked way to a child, which I loved. And that gave an extra dimension to me watching, re-watching this and thinking of the Wicked Witch from that perspective of like, because like, and the message of of Wicked is like, wicked people aren't born wicked. And it's just an interpretation of that. So I thought that was really interesting there. Obviously in this movie, she is just a purely wicked, mean person.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is pretty early, like early filmmaking storytelling where it's just pure evil and pure good.
0: Yes. I
1: also found it interesting rewatching how empowered all of the women characters are in this movie. Miss, oh, I can't remember what her name is in real life. Miss Gulch, the wicked witch in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Annie M makes a, a comment at some point that she owns half the land, and that's why she's so she has so much power. Dorothy, Dorothy is actually pretty like in control of what's going on. She's the one that rescues the three guys from every situation. She's always the one that like she's scared at first, but then she turns around and she faces the challenges without second guessing herself. And obviously the witches are, they've got their lives together to different extents.
0: (laughs) That's true. It is very female-centric. But I didn't like Dorothy, this movie. (gasps) Really? I found her incredibly annoying because she's crying and scared out of her mind but in a very dramatic way. And it's very 1930s and that's fine. I just found her portrayal to be very meek. But, again, she's a child. It's just hard to see Judy Garland, who looks like a woman to me, as a child, <laughs> who's crying and scared. And, yeah, none of the men save her in a, like, knight and shining armour sense. But they, she does lean on them to get through her journey, which isn't a bad thing because she definitely, like, helps them out, rescues them to start with. But that was like kind of my interpretation of like, well, she didn't do it on her own. She, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I I didn't see the interpretation where she like got out of it everything herself. But again, it's it's still a pretty strong female lead.
1: It's one of the things that I really love the most about the female characters in films from the 1930s. They're always very strong-willed and they're very like in control of what they're doing to to the extent that they can be. And there's... Do you know in The Holiday how that old guy says to the Kate Winslet character that she has a lot of gumption and he shows her all these movies with um, women that have a lot of gumption? Yes. That's one of the things that I love about movies from this this era.
0: That's true. I haven't seen enough of them, but it's a good one. Yeah, it's definitely one of the best, in my opinion. (laughs) I think, again, I just, like, really wasn't loving the (laughs) overly dramatic, like, fear and crying scenes. But again, I have to just remember it's a child.
1: Yeah, she's a child. Judy Garland, child.
0: One thing that I loved. So I have seen it a lot as a kid. I never really found it as like one of the the movies that I like absolutely loved as a kid. But I definitely watched it and liked. And um, I know that I watched it a million times because I a lot of these scenes came back to me in rewatching it. But bloody hell, that opening scene of somewhere over the rainbow is just freaking beautiful.
1: Oh my god, her voice is incredible.
0: It is incredible, beautiful for someone that young.
1: Yeah, it's it's so beautiful. Do you know the um, the songwriter actually came back and rewrote a few pages of the dialogue as well? Oh, really? Yeah. So in the in the end, when the Wizard of Oz is saying all that stuff to the to the three guys about, like, you know, you don't need to be smart, nobody's smart, or, like, you don't need to have courage. That's actually – it was actually written by a songwriter. Oh, wow. Which I think gives it that really poetic – and I, I think he went back and added all that nonsensical dialogue for The Wizard. I really loved it. I really loved it. And I especially loved the thing that he says – to the tin man i'll I'll play it for you as for you my galvanized friend you want a heart you don't know how lucky you are not to have one hearts will never be practical until they can be made unbreakable and remember my sentimental friend that a heart is not judged by how much you love but by how much you are loved by others
0: (sighs) oh i love that can i just say so the out of the whole movie that's the scene that I remember the most watching as a kid I think I loved that scene even as a child just because I loved that the whole time like every single one of those people have an objective you know the scarecrow wants a brain and the two men wants a heart blah blah and by the way my favorite character was the cowardly lion of course And I really loved his stupid courage song just before they came <laughs> the wizard. It's so great because it, it it's almost like a precursor to that meeting with the wizard of like you already have what you want and you don't need a tangible thing of it. Like all your actions leading up to this moment by helping Dorothy shows that you have these things. My favourite gift that he gives was that little heart clock and he's like, pure joy of like it's ticking guys like (laughs) I remembered it like that's the one scene I remember like loving as a child because it's the realization of everything they wanted which now I know that they didn't need this grand wizard because he is just a man behind a cloak who's not powerful and he just gives them junk like he literally just gives him shit he was gonna throw away and like but They needed something tangible to say that they now have what they want, but they never really needed it.
1: I just think it's such an interesting idea, and I think that's what really strikes me every time I watch this film or every time I think about the story is that there's so much power inside of you if you just believe in yourself. It sounds like such a Disney thing to say, it is but it's it's such a wonderful thing to hear and to think that you can solve your own problems and i think especially as an adult this is something that struck me when i was watching it like when dorothy starts off on the yellow brick road she asks glenda like what what do i do if i get lost and glenda's already gone and she's like you don't don't worry about it just follow the road you'll figure it out and she does like she goes along she finds friends she helps those friends and she brings them along with her. And then in the end, it's it's her own realization that she has the power within her to get herself home.
0: That is really what life's about, isn't it?
1: It is. Nobody's got a guidebook on how to get anywhere. We don't even have the yellow brick road. We just have our, our own courage and our own brains and our own heart. To figure out the journey.
0: And the other message that's important is you don't need someone authoritative to give that to you. The whole thing is like, we're off to see the wizard. We need to find the wizard. The wizard will give us what we want. They didn't need that. I think the wizard is a really interesting symbolism of any authoritative figure in your life that you think you need to get something from. You don't really need that. Like that's not how you're going to get what you want necessarily.
1: I guess the point of what Dorothy was saying when she's saying like, if I go far from home, and I'm, I'm not contented, then it means that I never really, I can't, I can't remember what she said now. But the point of what she was saying was that like, she carries her own contentment in her heart.
0: Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And it's, it's like what we were saying of like, you know, you can go on this amazing journey. You can move overseas like both of us have done, but if you're not happy in yourself anyway, that, that journey will not necessarily bring you the happiness you're looking for. It might in a lot of ways, but Yeah, there's no place like home sometimes. Was there anything else you wanted to say or, like, any other uh, clips? I have Dorothy's final
1: um, announcement. I thought it was really cute when all the guys come and check on her to see if she's okay after her head injury.
0: Oh, when she's back in Kansas. When she's back
1: in Kansas. And she says all this stuff, like, it was a really like it was a true place and all the guys are like oh <laughs> yes okay yeah
0: i thought that they're like "She's like don't you believe me and they're like yes yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah sure. <laughs> let's listen to dorothy's final statements
0: this was a real truly live place and i remember that some of it wasn't very nice but most of it was beautiful but just the same all i kept saying to everybody was i want to go home And they sent me home. But anyway, Toto, we're home, home. And this is my room, and you're all here. And I'm not going to leave here ever, ever again, because I love you all. And oh, Auntie M. there's no place like home. (laughs) Oh my god.
1: That final instrumental is like it reminds me of so much of my childhood. I feel like I've seen so many MGM films.
0: Yeah, that's true. MGM films were amazing.
1: Yeah. I mean he worked his actors and actresses to the bone.
0: Yeah.
1: They were amazing. I guess it's just like the magic of the early days of cinema where everything was everything was amazing and everything was possible.
0: It is, and it's, it's so cool to watch one of the defining movies of cinema in general. Like, this is, like, it. Cinema is best, like you said. Like, the music, the colours, the production, the acting, everything is,
1: you know, it's classic for a reason. It's amazing. Do you think it's a particularly American story?
0: I thought about this because I did a bit of research about it and, you know, like there are a lot of movies, American movies that sort of like adhere to this like American dream type thing. And like, I'm sure you saw in your research too, like a lot of theories that it's based on that American life in that time because the book, the original book was written in the 1900s or the mm. 1900s. Exactly. And it was a commentary of Dorothy being the average American person and like, you know, the scarecrow representing the farmers and the Tin man representing the, you know, industry workers. So, in that way, if you look at it from that interpretation of it was making some kind of political commentary, then, yeah, but I don't think it is, like, you know, it really applies to anybody. It applies to us as Australians, like, kids growing up in the 90s. It applies to anyone that can view this medium. That's, like, the beauty of movies, right? What do you think? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, it is a dream that's more accessible to some than to others, i don't think it, I don't think it is as universal an idea as I thought it used to be in what way it seems possible it seems really possible for Dorothy to go off into this other world and have all these adventures and be immediately accepted and be immediately surrounded by people and by friends and by people that help her. I mean it is a very like white American experience,
0: yeah, that's true, so you're saying in a, like, if you put it in a different, like, racial context, it wouldn't apply. I don't think. Well, didn't they do, and I don't know enough about this, but didn't they do a musical called The Wiz, which was, like, an all-black cast? It's
1: an all-black cast. Uh, it was starring Diana Ross as Dorothy. Wow.
0: Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson, Jackson, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess maybe that is, like, maybe a, a racial look at, like, how it would be different as an African-American. I don't know.
1: Yeah, like, trying to take it on.
0: I mean, I guess, like, it's an all white cast when you look at it. <laughs> and it is, like, set in Kansas, which is a very middle America country town, kind of, you know, and it did represent the majority of white Americans at that time. Yeah.
1: It was also directed by Victor Fleming, who also directed the same year, Gone with the Wind.
0: Oh, I didn't know it was the same director. Are you same serious? Guy. Yeah. And he won the Oscar for Gone with the Wind, and they were both nominated. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he had a good year. Oh jeez.
0: That's very impressive, actually.
1: Yeah. But obviously like Gone with the Wind is very like pro white American movie. So you were saying that the your favorite character was the lion? Yeah. I love him. (laughs) What do you love about him?
0: I love for one, his acting is phenomenal and he he's just hilarious. And it is so funny, the concept of a cowardly lion, because lions represent bravery. So that's freaking hilarious to have a a scared lion. And then his whole thing and his like musical monologue of being, um, of courage Mm -hmm. is he's putting on this like, grandiose, like pretending his ideal of what it would be like if he is fully courageous. It's so funny and I think I also as a child loved his curls, like how they gave him <laughs> makeover and they gave him the little red bow. And it's just freaking hilarious seeing this, like just seeing someone so like a scaredy cat literally as a lion. It's just so funny. And like because I was such a meek child or like I was a very self-conscious child, yeah. I think it spoke to me of just like, you know, you can put on this, you, you can be scared as you want. And you can put on this like you if you tell yourself you can do something and like your friends around you are encouraging you to do it, and then obviously at the end, he never need like he always had it like mm. that's all you need to be brave I like and and cowardness cowardliness, cowardness, cowardliness is cowardice coward cowardice, thank you. <laughs> I feel like it's a concept that's just fear. And you tell yourself that you have that fear and you can choose to either embrace it or not. And, like, until he's good, like, it's just, you know, the whole act of his own musical monologue is saying he is brave because he has all the things it takes to be brave. Um. Anyway, it's just I love it. He's the best. He's pretty adorable.
1: Yeah, I love his list of courageous things as well. Like, what, who puts the ape in apricot? Courage. <laughs> Makes the pyramids in Egypt courage
0: <laughs> it's just so and I also love the little like floor mat that they turn into a robe and they yes. like it, it's just so freaking funny and like I also love the scarecrow he is he is great I love the if I only had a brain dance and song and he's a brain yeah. dance. and I love he always falling down and I love the moment between him and Dorothy at the end where she's like you're the one I'm going to miss the most oh my god like pretty it's freaking it's like all yeah. of them the Tin Man too but I I love the Scarecrow and the Lion the most
1: I think out of the three the Tin Man is the one that I probably connect to the most really yeah but I think that's because I'm like I'm a pretty like sensitive person so I think the heart is really important
0: to me yeah how else do you relate to him
1: I just find it really cute that he cries all the time (laughs) because I do that very easily. (laughs) And he rusts,
0: he rusts every time he cries.
1: Oh, it's so cute. And he's just, he's just so kind. Yeah.
0: Like he has a heart. He has, he already has a heart. Yeah. Like he doesn't need a physical heart. They are great. It is a great movie.
1: Yeah, th- my favourite thing about the lion as well is that scene where they're going into the witch's castle and his tail is, yes! like, jumping out of a cat.
0: <laughs> I remember that as a kid too. Like, I love his His tail is amazing how they, um, it, like, has a life of its own and it looks real.
1: I just think, like, the production that- and the art direction on this movie is flawless. Yeah. I've said that already five times, but it's just amazing.
0: I'm curious, what do you think of the concept of the munchkins? <laughs> Yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: do you know they're actually like the Munchkins that performed in the movie are um, real, like they were an actual performing group. Did you read about them? No, I didn't. They were a performing group called the Singing Munchkins oh, wow. who was, um, they were part of a circus, of course, in Austria. Oh, really? Yeah, and it was inspired by this guy, um, Saw. I don't know the correct term at the moment. Is it little person? It's little person, yeah. Little person um, performing and he thought this would be a great idea for a show. So he collected as many actors as he could and he formed like this uh, travelling troupe of performers. And they actually like they had a pretty good experience. Like obviously as a manager in that, era he took more of the income than he should have yes of course but like everybody in the troop actually was really like like they really liked working with him and they really liked the work they really liked being able to work and perform
0: i mean that is amazing if you're giving that like yeah there definitely wouldn't have been like a very fair balance in that relation working relationship but it is great like I just wonder though if that if this was a new concept now, like if someone if that doesn't exist and someone's like, yeah, let's make a you know movie about a little girl and her land is filled with little people. I just I just don't know if that tracks anymore. But I mean, you know,
1: I don't know if it doesn't count as like giving opportunities to other abled people.
0: Yeah, but not when it's like these are mythical. I guess there's nothing negative about them. Yeah, in their portrayal. They are oppressed, though. Like, they're oppressed by
1: The 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 Wicked Witch.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, we could go on and on in semantics, but... But, yeah, it is is a bit of a weird
1: um, section. One of the cult experiences of watching The Wizard of Oz is um, to watch the film on silent while listening to Pink Floyd's uh, album Dark Side of the Moon.
0: Oh, Wow. And then, like you, you, the movie, and then just listen to the movie. yeah. Apparently, the
1: the album like lines up perfectly with the film in terms of like where it gets exciting, where it goes quiet, and everything like that.
0: How, have you done it? No, but I
1: should I should try
0: it. Feels like something you would do with a few psychedelics in your system as well.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a
0: very sixties experience. Good <laughs> yeah. LSD. Oh my god! How funny. <laughs> oh man, what a movie! What a movie to start this podcast off with. So magical.
1: Sometimes I don't even think that it was a dream. I just think she actually went to Oz.
0: I wonder, like, because that's the thing that they leave you with is was it a dream? Was it not? I mean, the practical side of me says, yes, it was probably a dream, but it would be cool if it was true.
1: Yeah. Some days I like to just believe that it was real. Do you have any, um, do you feel like, do you feel like you've changed throughout this discussion?
0: Yeah, actually, because it's a movie that I liked, but it was never special to me. Like I said, like I usually, if I love a movie, it's because it has a particular meaning to me. And I never really did. It was just a movie I liked as a kid. And I still liked watching it last night. And the end of it definitely um, definitely struck a chord with me in terms of the No Place Like Home and the, the, well, what you're searching for, you probably already have that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think they're talking about this and hearing your passion is, it, it does make me appreciate <laughs> it a lot more. Because but after watching it last night, I was like, "Yeah, I probably will never watch it again, or like in a long time, I'll watch it again if I have kids or whatever." But it is a great movie. I it makes me appreciate that it sounds so wanky, but the movie as an art form. I don't think it's wanky. I just think that's fact. It's just,
1: <laughs> I um, yeah, I am just in love with this movie. I love every part of it.
0: Oh, good. Ah, oh, this really did it. Did change my perspective. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's good. Mission accomplished. Did anything I say sort of change any of your perspective? Um, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's fair to say as well.
1: I mean, not in a negative way. It's nice to it's nice to just like talk about it so much and um discuss why it meant so much to me.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. the idea. Yeah. <laughs> so Catherine, after watching this. How did The Wizard of Oz make you feel? Mm.
1: As it did in my childhood. This made me feel happy. It made Mm. me feel like just that childlike belief in magic, that anything is possible, and just joy. This makes me feel joy every time I watch it. I love it so much. Oh,
0: that's awesome. So Alex,
1: after um, re-watching and discussing The Wizard of Oz, what did this make you feel
0: this did make me feel a sense of wonder Mm -hmm. and appreciation i think for this movie that i didn't have before and just a sense of like appreciation for childhood like there's that wonder of childhood that this movie emulates that it really captures in its essence and it made me feel nostalgic for sure oh yeah in a good way yeah Mm -hmm. it's a great what a journey what a journey! What a journey indeed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, following on from our adventures in Oz, what are we going to watch next week, Alex?
0: Okay. So I already alluded to it, um, mm-hmm. but I think what I want to watch next week is the Duela Club. I, I just think it's going to be a very different shift <laughs> from the Wizard of Oz, and but for me, it's like one of my all-time favorite movies and it makes me feel things excellent and it'd be interesting to see how it makes you feel yeah cool
1: I'm excited to watch it again I have I think I've seen it once I've seen it once a long time ago
0: oh okay this is gonna be good it's I've seen it a many many time and it's very um reflective of my life like just culturally and it's, it's, we're gonna talk a lot about mother-daughter relationships so that'll be interesting
1: Oh, that's going to be fun, fun. fun.
0: <laughs> Sorry, but I mean, it mostly mine from a cultural aspects. But yeah,
1: I think it's going to be really interesting. I know it's a it's a good film. It's really really well done. Beautiful story.
0: Beautiful film.
1: Yeah, I'm excited.
0: So, thanks for listening to us today on our very first episode of This Made Me Feel Things. If you want to share your feelings with us, let us know what you thought. Uh, You can follow us on at at This Made Me Feel Things on Instagram or email us at feelthingspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to know how you're feeling. We'd love for you to share the love around because we're just a brand new baby podcast who would love more friends. (laughs) (laughs) Please share the love. Leave us a review on the podcast app of your choice. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time for our episode on the Joy Love Club. Bye. Bye.